right. What have you been watching? I know we've been watching Cobra Kai. We've yeah. talked about that, but anything else? We finished Cobra Kai last night. Just so much screaming of, where are the adults? Like, they're the, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Cobra Kai fan season three is not my favorite. Lots no. of great, lots of great cameos, but too soap opery for me. Um, what a shit on a shingle. I just had one in my head of what I just watched. Oh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Is that what that show is called? That just came back from hiatus. And I love that show. I love it so much. I know you're not a, like, feely person, but you like musicals, so. um, Rude. It's it's the truth. Um, But you like musicals, and (laughs) it's a musical show. It, the first episode, I was like, this, this show's going to be so stupid. But it hooked me at the very end. But this girl, she goes in an MRI machine and there's an earthquake when she's in the MRI machine. And when she comes out, suddenly she can hear what people sing what they're feeling. And it's all like pop songs and musical songs and they dance. And it's like, it seems mm, like I it's too like much. That. It seems like it's going to be too much, but it's so good. I haven't watched anything, nothing groundbreaking, just Cobra Kai, and still working my way through the first season of Fargo. Uh, It's just taken a while, my stupid internet. But anyway, hi everybody, welcome to That So Original Podcast, the podcast that talks to you about original streaming TV series and movies, and we have been hitting the TV series pretty hard here lately, so we have gone back to a movie, maybe for this week, maybe for a while, who knows, you know we don't plan that far in advance. Oh, and there's my dog. (laughs) Yeah, it's nobody, so uh, that's, yeah, I think it's just general concerns about this movie that we're doing. And we are talking about Blow the Man Down. On a New England Isle, in a good seaport town, tell me away, blow the man down. Can you start over? I'm confused. It was confusing. But you had to do it right. Oh, no. I lost control with a brick. You said it was a harpoon. So what are we going to do now? Should have just called the police. Hello? Priscilla Conley? You're a small skiff, right? Could get a little grody. A body wise up on the rocks. Enid's business is bringing shame to the town. I try to protect these girls, but I can't do everything. What did she mean by that? It used to be real bad around here. Get away from me! If it's not Enid's girls, then it's our own daughters. We wanted something better for you. By starting up. Go on, drink up. Drink up. People underestimate women. That's why they can get away with a lot. Now, what do you know about the Connolly sisters? Real nice girls. Sure about that? <laughs> it is exclusively streaming on Amazon Prime right now. It premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival in 2019, but it was picked up by Amazon and released there in March of 2020. It got great reviews. It's like 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, It won several awards. I have questions about... I, I, I find that all suspect. Very, what, very what, suspect. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have concerns about who voted uh, in these awards. I think it was the people that were in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> who is rating it on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, yeah, we're going to get into all that. So do you want to start us off with the, uh, with the chorus? Sure. 
I don't know if we want to go. I, we'll get into it. There is so much acting royalty in this movie. Like mm-hmm. these are amazing people in this movie, and I I don't know who signed them up for this because I want to know. But what I love that one review called it Maine by way of Fargo. Yeah, I can see it. Which I thought was interesting. Like I'm like, oh, that's cool way to put it. So okay, in my notes I say, oh hey, we start the movie with a sailor choir singing "Blow the Man Down." <laughs> what the fuck is happening? And that's pretty much what I thought through this whole thing. I didn't know if this was a musical. I did. I'm so confused. But yeah, this is a fishing town, so they're all in their waders and they are on a boat and they are singing "Blow the Man Down," and they just like go through this. And then there's just a line of sailors standing there, and one dude's vaping. Uh, apparently, that screwed with his voice because he's not singing. The main singer just winked at me, and I'm still so confused. <laughs> I was wondering my notes. And then the music changes to very ominous. We get title cards that say this is Easter Cove, Maine. And in the background, there's a car driving very quickly up the hills in the background. And then we cut to on the beach, and our two main characters, one is Priscilla. She's played by Sophie Lowe. I've never heard of her. She's Australian, but she has a bunch of acting credits. She is practicing the eulogy that she's going to do for her mother. And her sister shows up, whose name is Mary Beth, and she's played by Morgan Saylor. She's from Homeland, I guess. I didn't watch that show. So her sister shows up and offers Priscilla a flask and calls it and says, Sister Sippers for Mom. So they, you know, do a little sip for Mom. We go from the um, the beach, then now we're at the actual funeral at the church. And right now I have, this is acting royalty at the funerals, because we have June Squibb, mm-hmm. Annette O'Toole, and Marceline Hugo. I don't know how the, if that's pronounced correctly. That's how but I Mar- think, yeah. Marceline is from, I know her best from The Leftovers. It was an HBO show. Fucking phenomenal. Watch that show. Then it flashes to the car that was driving really quickly is... The brakes squeal, car comes to a stop, a woman jumps out and is yelling, fuck you, I'm not going in there, get away from me. And a man jumps out of the car and he's chasing her, asking her where the fuck she's going and he grabs her and pulls her coat off and she's, because she's still running away, he knocks her down, she says, I'll never give the fucking money back. And we see that a woman is watching this whole thing from the window and it is Enid and she's played by Margot Martindale, who, if you see her, you know her. She's been in frickin' everything. Mm-hmm. I think she won an Emmy for The Americans. She's really good in Sneaky Pete, which is an underrated show that people need to watch. And August Osage County movie with Meryl Streep that will knock you on your butt. We're with the funeral guests now, and now they're at the home after the funeral. You know how everyone after a funeral got to go somewhere and eat. I don't know why that's Yeah, thing, why does that make funerals I, make you hungry? I apparently. don't know why that happens, but that's, that's mm. what you do. So the two girls from the funeral are in the kitchen, and there are like a gaggle, I'll call them, yeah, of older women. And this is June Squibb, Marceline Hugo, and Annette O'Toole. And June Squibb plays Susie. And she was, if you, if you've listened to any of our previous episodes and you remember Palm Springs, she was Nana in Palm Springs. Love her. She is just so freaking cute. She's adorable. Oh my God. And I said, um, Marceline Hugo was actually in season one of The Center. So there's kind of another little tangent for you. And Annette O'Toole was, in addition to being in like 57,000 other things, was in The Punisher. Anyway, she plays Gail in this movie and Marceline Hugo plays Doreen. And they're all in the kitchen talking about get, getting a drink. And one of them's like, well, I'll have a soda water. And Susie's like, have a real drink or you'll make me look bad. And they're telling the, the girls how nice the funeral was. And they start reminiscing about Mary Margaret. This is the girl's mother who has passed away. And um, all these older ladies were friends of hers. And I love the way they say Mary Margaret. I had <laughs> every time I that wrote it down, I, I said it like that. Mary Margaret. And they toast to her. You skipped something that I thought was important because it comes back later. Gail picks up these big, huge, like, knee-high, big rubber boots and asks if they all remember Mary Margaret wearing them to Kate's wedding with her nice dress. I don't know who Kate is. Oh, yeah. And she told everybody they were from Paris because Mary Margaret is a fishmonger. That's their deal. And then she talks about how in 89, two feet of water in the basement, Mary Margaret showed up at 1 a.m. wearing those boots with a sump pump. So, hell or high water, your mother showed up for all of us. So, that's the big thing is that these women are very close and they have, which I think is really sweet. And I've heard this from a lot of, like, older groups of women is they show up for each other, no matter what happens. Funerals burst, you show up. 
yeah, they obviously all very close with Mary Margaret and just kind of offhandedly one of the ladies is talking to the, the younger sister, Mary Beth, about how sorry she was that she missed college and about losing the house. Well, her older sister Priscilla had apparently failed to mention that they were losing the house. So she drags her out of the living room and into another room and explains to her that that Ma, Ma had leveraged it, which I'm guessing means took out a loan or refinanced it or or whatever. Is that what you... I think she took out a second mortgage um, uh, against the house for their store. Yeah, they have like a, they have a fish shop. Uh, And she was behind on the payments and she's like, it's okay, we'll figure it out. But Mary Beth is like, whatever, I just want to get out of here. I stay in this shitty town for a year. And Priscilla's like, well, now that mom's dead, you can leave. Which insults Mary Beth, even though she literally just said that same thing. And so she turns around, walks out of the room. This sister relationship is very odd. I get the feeling that they weren't extremely close until their mother, like this last year with their mother being very sick and they kind of worked together to take care of her. Did you get that same impression? I think it's that Priscilla or Pris, as her little sister calls her, has always been the good girl. Did whatever her mother wanted, worked in the Mm -hmm. shop, and Mary Beth had big dreams. She's going to go off to college and she's going to get out of this tiny little town and then her, their mom got sick. So they had to kind of come together because with mom sick, somebody's got to still run the store or they're going to lose everything. So they both had to run the store. Plus they had to take care of their mom. And it's just not been a happy time for these guys. Yeah. Mary Beth puts on her coat and leaves and Priscilla's watching her out the window. There's a lot of watching out windows at people. Yes. <laughs> so she's just straight up walking away and Priscilla is rage cleaning all the fucking dishes. Because why is there so many fucking dishes? Like people bring food and then you just gotta, you gotta clean all this shit up. It sucks. Yep. So Mary Beth goes to a bar because that's what you do. And there's nowhere else to go. And she walks up to this guy and she tries to take his drink. And he's like, hey, no, you still owe me from last time, you cheap ass. She's like, eh, fine, whatever. So she sidles up to this random gross dude who's at the counter. Or at the counter. My God. I haven't been to a bar in a long time. She's at the the bar. And she's like staring at his pack of cigarettes. And she comes over and takes his cigarettes. And he's like, well, you know, just help yourself. Did you recognize him? He played Lieberman in The Punisher. I did. He was also in Girls. He ate the one girl's ass, and girls is only I can't oh, remember. Wow, okay. <laughs> All right, Gorski, get some. <laughs> so, anyways, we find out the guy at, at the counter um, is named Gorski. That's what they just call him, Gorski. I don't know if he has a first name. He's just Gorski. Back at the house, Priscilla is cutting up a fish, and she has this very fancy fish knife and she's cutting this fish up and i'm thinking if you own a fish shop like you eat fish all the time i'd be so over fucking fish i know she cut the fish and then she put this knife away and i thought she put it in her pocket but it's her apron for when she works at Mm -hmm. the shop um and then she sits down to this meal by herself and i was like why would you wash all those dishes just to debone a fucking fish and eat it (laughs) i was like eat that party food honey that's why it's there and i don't i like party food so that's my favorite thing I'm all about a casserole or right? a hot dish or whatever you want right? to call it. So back at the bar, Mary Beth, which I have her as MB in my notes. So I, I do too. I have P and MB through the whole right. So Mary Beth and Gorski are outside the bar and he says, you're not from around here. And she's like, um, Easter Cove, born and raised. Why else would I be in this shitty ass bar? And he says he's here due to bad fucking luck, but he just won the lottery. And she's like, okay. She says she's on her way out of town. And he says, how about a going away party? Meanwhile, Priscilla is packing away the pictures from the photo boards at the at the funeral. We all know what that's, you know, everybody has the photo boards. But she's packing that away and there's a knock at the door. And she goes out so and there's a nice bouquet of flowers sitting on the steps. And somebody is sneaking away. And it's Enid. And she's like, oh, well, thank you, Miss Devlin. And, she's, and Enid says, um, it's all right. They weren't cheap. Toodaloo! And walks away like, okay, random lady at the door. Yeah. Okay. One thing I have to say right off the bat is there are too many storylines in this movie. There's too much going on and none of them are really fully developed. It is just maddening. No, I'd like to see if there's like a director's cut of this movie. There's feels like there was... It's short. It's an hour and a half. And I think there's probably another hour and a half on a cutting room floor somewhere. Yeah. 
that honestly probably would have been really helpful. Right. Because it's, I don't know, it's all over the place for real. It, it, it is. And it took me such a long time to put these little things together. Right. About, well, what was this scene about? And then like an hour later, you're like, oh, okay, now what I, but I, I, anyway. So now we're in another swerving car and the car is swerving because Mary Beth is driving and she's been at the bar and she's sloshed. And the guy, Worski, he's like, you better watch out for them steadies, you know. And he <laughs> pulls out some cocaine and snorts it and he opens up the glove compartment to throw in a pack of cigarettes and she notices a gun which immediately freaks her out and she's like oh well yeah I mean it's been fun but uh I should probably call it a night and then all of a sudden she's just running into shit on the side of the road and crashes into this giant like 50 foot fisherman flat Stanley and it falls on top of the hood and they're just like, oh shit. And he's like, well, we let's get out of here real quick before the cops come. We can go to my house. So they pull up to his house and get out of the car and he's pulling parts of Flat Stanley Fisherman out of the bumper. And I don't know how this happens. It, if it was because of the accident or he hit something that activates the trunk to pop open. And Mary Beth is standing back there, and when it pops open, she looks inside, and we see inside, too. And it was a very short flash. I I look back at it a couple of times. There's, like, some hair, like a clump of hair. There's blood. There's, like, a tarp. And there's this thing that looks like maybe a zebra print, like, girly keychain, maybe? I didn't even notice that part. I just saw blood and hair. He says, oh, oh, those are my fishing knickknacks, but they're definitely not fishing knickknacks. And she's not buying it. Uh, they start struggling. She's like, I, I, I want to go home. And she runs off. And where he lives is like right on these docks. And laid out on the docks are all these, they're like fishing cages. They're like crab they're fish- pots. Yeah, you know, they're traps. You see- yeah, fishing traps. Yeah, you know, you see them on like the deadliest catch. Like it, all those things that stack up on, on those fishing boats. And she's hiding around all of these all of these boxes, all of these traps, and he's following her. It was such a scene from I Know What You Did Last Summer. This was Sarah Michelle yes. Gellar and I Know What You Did Last Summer. It so is. So she ends up right at the edge of the water, and I'm not sure how, but she gets behind him at some point, and as he turns and realizes that she's there, she is holding a harpoon and stabs it through his neck. And as he's laying on the ground moaning, he somehow still manages to grab her leg and in the struggle she like grabs a brick and she just like hammers it down on top of the harpoon i said this Ouch. escalated so fucking quick like what the fuck yeah mm-hmm. she could sure easily did. just run away this got 17 minutes into this movie and yeah. you're like oh okay so it's gonna be that kind of movie all right yeah it was so weird because then the next thing we do is we're flashed to pris is asleep in a bed and then she opens her eyes and a bloody Mary Beth is standing over her whispering her name. And all I could think of was, was your kid sneaking into your room? <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. And I was like, mm. this is fucking terrifying. Yes. <laughs> and we see Mary Beth is in the shower, but all we see is her feet just covered in a pool of blood. And I was like, how does she get so bloody? What the hell? I don't know. And then. Chris is looking at the police speed dial on the landline phone because I think this movie took place in 1994. Thank you. And she keeps looking at it and she's looking at it and then she's asking Mary Beth to walk her through it again. And she's like, you had to do it, right? And Mary Beth's like, I don't know. I don't know if I did or not. I, I just went a little crazy. And you can see Pris go through this what the fuck face before she calmly asks, what do you mean you don't know? And Mary Beth's like, well, I kind of lost control with the brick. Brick, you said you had a harpoon. Where? What is happening? And Mary Beth's like, are you going to call the police? Chris is like, well, so she hits that speed dial and it rings fucking forever. And I was like, well, this is a small town for you because that's how my night town is it too. And then finally when they pick up, she hangs up. But we see her. She puts on her mom's big boots because she's got to show up for her sister and tells her sister to get dressed and they take off in a Connolly fish truck. And this is when we find, like, get confirmation that they live at a they own a fish place i don't know they before that it was always like just alluded to so they go back to gorski's and they drag his body inside his house which was real stupid i mean he was out there on that dock so there's blood all over that dock yep there's just dna for miles they drag his body inside and cover him up because they can't stand looking at his face and they decided to shove him in this big white cooler 
And they go to pick him up, and Mary Beth flips out because he's gross. Looking at him is gross. And I was like, dude, honey, you smashed his face in. That's his on you. <laughs> and Priscilla says, coleslaw. Remember the coleslaw? Apparently some kid, when they were younger, called her a pussy and bet that she couldn't eat this coleslaw. And the coleslaw was white and creamy and disgusting, but she got called a pussy, so she ate the whole damn thing and licked the spoon to prove she wasn't a pussy. So in other words, just pick up the goddamn dead guy. Stop being a pussy. They get him in the cooler, but his hands and legs won't fit because he's a grown man and this is a cooler. And right. Mary Beth's like, we should have just called the police. And I was like, yeah, at this point, you're past that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little late you're, for that. You're, you're uh-huh. trying to hide a body. And she's like, what are we going to do? Chop his arms off? And, well, Pris looks at that super fancy sharp knife she has and says, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so they grab tarps and Pris gets to work. She's feeling for the joints and Mary Beth says, fucking coleslaw. And I was like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ugh, Gross. But then they flash to them. It's dark out, barely dark out because it's starting to get light out. And they're dragging this cooler to the ocean. And all I could think was, I hope they took the plug out of it or it's going to float. Mm. And yep. they, they, I look like they wrapped it in chains, but I don't think they did. They just wrapped it in their own DNA 100% and threw it in the ocean. Oh, yeah. And a little bit of duct tape in there. Yes, it was duct tape. It wasn't chains. Okay, good. And so I was like, I yep. don't know where they got chains from and I'm so confused. But... <laughs> Cue the Fisherman Choir again. I had Fisherman's yeah. Chorus start their shit again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the next day we see the three old ladies walking down the road past the giant fisherman thing that Mary Beth had knocked over. And the cops are there. There are these two cops. These two cops are reoccurring characters throughout. I didn't look up who they were. I didn't there's either. An older one that, there's a younger one. Uh, the younger one's pretty cute. I'm just going to say that. They're putting caution tape around. Cash and tape. You hear that? <laughs> It just came out. It just came out of me around the area. And they are near this big white building. And it's a bed and breakfast. And we are seeing this girl walk down the road. And the three ladies are, are watching her walk down the road towards this big white building. She's wearing a big bulky coat and look like she got no pants on. And they are giving her the stink eye. She gets inside of this building and we immediately hear some thumping from an upstairs bedroom and we see No Pants Girl walk into an office where Enid is sitting at a desk. This girl's name is Alexis mm-hmm. and she's played by Gail Rankin from Glow. Yes. And I don't watch Glow, but you watch Glow, yeah. so I wrote that. She down played for you. Sheila the Wolf Girl on Glow. She's oh, amazing. You. Well, you are welcome. As she walks in, Enid's like, did anyone see you? And she says, ah, just some old ladies. And Enid's like, yeah, I know exactly which old ladies. So that means everybody saw you because. Yeah, exactly. Because those three, I'm pretty sure, are the town gossips. So, yeah, now everybody saw you. There's two things that happened in this little scene. The reason she was walking, because apparently she doesn't normally walk from being with her Johns, is that she had been waiting for Gorski and he never showed up. You can tell by the that this ocean view bed and breakfast is not your traditional bed and breakfast. This is um, a whorehouse. But while they're in this office, Alexis is staring at this teeny tiny little picture on this big old wall. It's a big wall and a teeny tiny picture. And she says, Enid, are you ever going to redecorate? And Enid looks at the picture like it's filled with secrets and says, none of your business, Martha Stewart. So there's that. Mm. So we know foreshadowing. Something's going on with that little bitty picture. And... Gorski is involved with the ocean view in some way. He was supposed to bring Alexis home. So these are two plot points that will come up later. All right. So we're back with Priscilla in the house and she wakes up and looks at her fingernails and notices there's blood under her fingernails. I'm like, you didn't scrub yourself head to toe when you got, you dismembered a man. How did you not notice that? You just go get in your nice clean sheets? Like, no biggie. Right. (laughs) I don't don't know. So uh, she's at the seafood shop now and she goes to grab her special fancy knife out of her apron and realizes, uh, oh, it's not there. That's a problem. Mm Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Mary Beth is just now waking up and she throws everything she was wearing into the washer. I'm like, okay, again, as soon as you get home, these are things that should have been I done. I would have been naked on the drive on the drive home. I've been uh, burning that shit, they, throwing it in a dumpster, something. Yeah. So then she goes to the shop and she tells Priscilla that I did the laundry, I threw out the trash, I beached I beached, I beached a whale, I bleached. <laughs> 
I bleached the tub and Priscilla is like, oh shit, we're going to get caught. I can't find the knife. Uh, it just happens to have Connolly Fish, which is the name of the shop on it in case we haven't mentioned that. And right at that moment, someone walks in. It's the young police officer guy and he's asking if he can borrow their small skiff. I'm like, the police department in freaking Maine in a fishing town, they don't have a boat. They have a big boat. They didn't have a little boat. They have they don't have a little boat. That's what he says. All right. He, but they they could they couldn't use the big boat. They need a little boat. They need a little boat. So they go out on a little boat. And well, Priscilla takes him out on a little boat, and he's making some small talk. His name is Justin Brennan. They went to school together, apparently, and. He tells her, just so you know, it could get a little grody. I love that he uses the word grody. He said, a body has washed up on the rocks. And of course, Priscilla is losing her shit. So they arrive at a dock and drop her off on the dock so that a couple of other cops can get in the boat and go out to get the body. So they bring the body back over to the dock and they pull it out of the water. But it is a woman. And one thing that the camera does is zoom in on her hand. And she has these bright, like, neon pink and black press-on nails. So that's another thing that you're like, ah, I bet that comes back later. So put a pin in it. But I was so confused. It's like, can I borrow your boat? Just take the fucking boat. Why are you taking the girl with you to go pick up a damn body? It's so confusing, yeah. uh, but just so she could be there so she could have a panic attack, thinking that it was Gorski, but it was not. So the women, the triad, I refer to them later, are um, <laughs> at Susie's house, and they are having tea, and they are discussing how Enid's business is bringing a black eye in the town. But Mary Margaret assured them that it would be okay, but now she's dead. Apparently, Mary Margaret was always a big champion of Enid and her business. And suddenly this old man walks in screaming, I dropped the fork! And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, what is this random shit? Yeah, he was, I'm okay, they're in the dining room. They're in a dining room. And he says, I dropped my fork! And just walks in and, and she says, okay, honey. And reaches over into like a credenza like, and gets one out. I'm like, do they not have a kitchen? What the fuck is happening? Why can't he get his own goddamn fork out of, why is it, why is it in the dining room? I don't know. <sighs> So he leaves, he walks out of the room, and they go back to their, their gossiping, their business meeting. And they say, Enid's crossed the line, and something needs to change. Mary Margaret was a loyal friend, but she's not here to defend her anymore. Ocean View has run its course. So there's background here that we aren't made aware of until later. We don't know what's happening, because it's stupid. So Mary Beth goes back to Gorski's to look for the knife like a dumbass, because you just walk in in daylight when he had said before, don't be screaming because I got neighbors. And getting her fingerprints everywhere. Right, she's, she's touching, touching everything, everything. Everything. That's I have that, because he has neighbors and she's not wearing gloves. But here comes some fishermen. She hears some people talking. So she dives under his bed, which it's very obvious. He lives like in a shack in a, in like on the dock. It's not even a, a house. So she dives under his bed. And as she's waiting for these people to walk away, she like sees something. And over by the front door, which is in such a random place, yeah. she finds a wet, I think it was a $50 bill. She goes a little deeper and underneath the floorboards, there's a takeout bag full of money. And it's, like, right when you walk in the door. Like, it's just the weirdest yes. place to hide money. I don't... I'm so confused. And you can see it through the floorboards. Like, yeah, it, it wasn't, wasn't hidden. Hidden, obscured in any way, really. So, the, this makes takes me back to when he said he just hit the lottery. That's exactly what I was just getting ready to say. So, hmm. How did he get this money? Hmm. Where is this money? Is this what this fight was about with this woman? What is happening? Okay. Yeah. So we see Enid now in a hair salon sitting under the hairdryer and all the ladies, the triad, walk into the room where she's sitting and she's like, yeah, yeah, I know you saw one of my girls walking home looking like a lady of the night. And they say, actually, we're more concerned with the one that was found dead in the harbor, in the harbor, with a gun, in the harbor, with a gunshot wound and track marks. And we all know that she worked at Ocean View. They tell her, Enid's time for you to retire. It's time for a change. We want to revamp the bed and breakfast. And she's like, wow, didn't even wait for Mary Margaret to be dead a day. And apparently, even though they were such good friends, she didn't come and visit her at the hospital or go to the funeral. And I don't think we ever really dive into why that was. 
I don't know, maybe too hard for her. Well, they said it was hard for her to step foot in a church, which I thought was funny. (laughs) Uh, She tells the ladies to get back to their casseroles and crochet. And I was like, excuse you, excuse you. (laughs) That's that's not nice. Because she has a business to run. And this is where I started having all these questions about, okay, so in the premise of this movie they dig into the dark underbelly of this town but this seems like it's pretty well known that Enid is straight up running a whorehouse Mm -hmm. and everybody in the town knows it Mm -hmm. and seem totally fine with it so I have a confuse anyway the ladies decide they aren't getting anywhere with her and so they leave yeah they walked in like mobsters like they were coming to like (laughs) yeah I don't know. I don't know. I love that she said, I paid good money for a cut and color and peace and quiet. <laughs> like, well. <laughs> so now Enid has gone to Gorski's and she walks with a cane. We never know why. She's at his place and she's yelling, I saw your car. You're making me look bad. And she walks in and she says, Ugh. and she's, she's the place rots. So she's covering her face with a handkerchief. And I don't know why it's it rots because he's not his body's not there. I think maybe he's just a stinky girl. It probably just smells like fish. Yeah, I don't know. And she's wearing a fur coat, which I thought was hilarious. And she's walking around and she's kind of looking and she's not touching anything because she's no fool. But she sees under like a little dorm fridge is the Connolly's knife, and she knows immediately where it belongs, and she knows that things have happened in this place. We flash to Mary Beth, who's gone home, and she's hiding the bag of money in a closet. And because this is her escape plan, this is her way out of this fucking town. Is like, oh, this fell into my lap? Cool. So then Enid is in a bar, sitting at the counter, <laughs> drinking. This is like a f- nicer bar. I don't think it's the bar they went to the night before. Definitely not. This is a nicer <laughs> bar. When Mary Beth comes in and asks for a whiskey, top shelf. Oh, Hmm. These girls that are losing their house, losing their shop, mm-hmm. mother just died. She can afford top shelf whiskey. Okay. Enid does a little fix of the bottom of her hair to the little floof at the bottom of her hair and says, Connolly girl, you know I used to pal around with your mother. And Mary Beth's like, I know, Mrs. Devlin, we're where? How's the whorehouse going? <laughs> and Enid says, she was one of the gals had her head that screwed on straight. You guys doing okay with the shop? And Mary Beth, yeah, but I'm on to bigger and better things. I'm not going to stay here and work in the shop. I'm going to travel and get out of Easter Cove. Mary Beth has no chill. No. Like, she has none. She could easily just say she's going away to school and just quietly disappear. No one would ever see her again. Like, she's going off to school, traveling, whatever. No one would be that wiser. She could disappear with this money, nothing. But she has to, like, freak out and be stupid. She pays for her one drink with a $100 bill and tells the bartender to keep the change. You are a dumbass. You are the dumbest person of all the dumbasses. And, of course, Enid is like, mm-hmm, I know what you're doing. I see you. Because everybody sees you. Yeah, because she's not hiding shit. Mm-hmm. So Alexis, the girl from the scene with the no pants, is outside of a door adjusting her boobs. And when the door opens, it's, I believe it is Susie. It's the old lady squad at at any rate. And she's she's getting ready to leave. She's like, ah, wrong house. And they're like, no, 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 no. We'll pay you. We just want to talk. So they ask her if she's still working the docks or the desert which is what Gail knows it's called. The ba- the bar is called the desert. Mm. Oh, I thought they called. The I thought. Well, see, the see, that's the thing is they they made it out to be like this was a um, like a slang is they call it the desert. But later th- yes. they call the bar the desert. The so I'm okay. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. That's, no, I whatever. I don't know. But she I'm, works I'm the docks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they asked her if she had heard about the the girl the girl that they pulled out of the water, and she's like, "Yeah, she drowned." And they're like, "Oh no, actually, she was shot." And Alexis is absolutely gobsmacked, shocked. Uh, they want to know if she thinks Enid is involved. And for some reason that makes her absolutely livid, or maybe it's just hitting a little too hard. That that might be a possibility, and she storms out. So we are back at the ocean view with the two cops, which are like Laurel and Hardy cops, because one is a big, <laughs> chubby, older man, and then the young guy. Um, I just called the older guy Sergeant. I think it's like Conkle or something. I don't know. Coletti. Coletti. Okay. So he comes in, and he turns to the younger cop, and he says, come on in. Usually the pace is more festive. 
just the atmosphere alone. And so they walk in and a girl comes down the stairs and says, Daddy, I missed you. It's cocktail o'clock. Come in and wet your cock. Nice. Mm -hmm. And then she asks, you want the usual? The younger cop is horrified because obviously older cop comes to the whorehouse quite a bit. Um, And he's walking in and he spots Alexis like down behind a door and she's crying. And he follows the older cop and this whore, for lack of a better name, named Tanya into a room where Enid is there holding court. And the younger cop's name is Justin. And he says, can you tell me about the last time you saw D?" And she says, Tanya, I T-voted some Buffy for you. Go on. So, I laughed. I know, I did too. She laughs, sends her out of the room because the adults need to talk. And she says, mm-hmm. I, I try to protect these girls, but I can't do everything. I know she was wrapped up in drugs. Coletti says, what about that weirdo that managed the girls for you? He's not from around here. And she says, yeah, Gorski, he's a harmless sap. Coletti says, do you know where he lives? And she's like, I have no idea. And she says, I'd never forgive myself if Gorski had something to do with this. But she has no clue where he lives. So the cops leave, and Kudleti is just entranced by Enid. He says, ah, she was hot shit back in the day. And Justin says, well, she didn't seem that upset. Kudleti says, well, she didn't say anything, but she was pointing me toward Declan Crawley. He runs the desert. Lots of things go in and out of there. So maybe that's just what they call the docks. But um, so referring to drugs, that this guy who runs the docks, owns the docks, I don't know, whatever. He says, you know, this is a bad part of town. Yeah, and that's another thing I have issues with, that whole storyline with Declan Crawley. Uh, We'll get there. There's a very brief scene at the shop, and the girls are talking, and Priscilla wants to know if Mary Beth found the knife when she went over to Gorski's house. She's like, oh yeah, found it, threw it off a bridge, taken care of. You know, wipe the brow, we're good. At the docks now with the two cops, they have come to talk to Declan, and they're asking him about Gorski. Brennan, Justin, the younger cop, he's trying to butter him up by talking about this amazing play that uh, Declan's son had made in a football game in high school. And he's like, oh, you played? And he was like, I ran the scoreboard. (laughs) I was like, yeah. I thought it was so weird that they brought him donuts. Like, the cops brought donuts to this guy. him donuts. It's so weird. He tells them where Gorski lives. And he says, when you find him, let me know. He's vanished like a fart in the wind. They go outside, and Brennan tries to approach Alexis, but she says she's on a break. Go talk to Tanya. And he finds her and is asking about Dee, and she mentions how Gorski was the one who, like, picked her up, I guess recruited her into this business, quote-unquote, and her as well. And then he asks her about, well, did anyone owe her any money? Did she owe anyone any money? Is there anyone who might want to hurt her? And as soon as he gets onto that line of questioning, Tanya's like, peace out. Not going to talk. Yeah, because friend Polly interrupts the friend who was at the bar, who was friends with Justin in high school, uh, shows up and interrupts them. But we flash to her walking home because she has to walk home from the docks now because now Gorski to drive her. Alexis is anyways. And it's cold and it's snowing slash raining. When Susie pulls up in a minivan, Alexis is like, ah, leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with you. And Susie's like, hey. You left your coat at my house. I just wanted to give it back to you. And she's like, oh, okay. So she grabs a coat and she puts it on and she's like shoving her hands in the pockets and she finds a card and she pulls it out. And it's a sympathy card from the ladies to Alexis about, you know, sorry about your loss because Dee was her friend, which makes her cry. Then we flash to the ocean view and Alexis is on a twin bed in a room she must share with Tanya in this giant ass freaking bed and breakfast, they can't get their own rooms to do their screwing yeah. in. I guess they must go somewhere else for that. I don't know. But she's listening to a voicemail from D. Hey, where are you? Oh, why aren't you answering your phone? And it's we just get the impression that they were good friends. And then it kind of flashes to out in the ocean. The cooler is just floating along because that's what coolers do. They don't sink. <sighs> so then we are back at the Connollys. And Enid is knocking on their door with some chowder. She comes in and she makes them dinner, which she put the soup in a bowl. And (laughs) she looks over at those same damn rubber boots. And she says, I remember those boots. She used to shove a bottle in the side that she snuck out of her granddad's cabinet. And they're like, what? Mom? No, she was a good, you know, church going lady. And she's like, no, your mother was the wuss, but we never got caught. A lot of people underestimate young women. That's why they get away with a lot. And she's like, pointedly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are you guys going to confess something? 
Because she also tips the boot over, and there's blood on the freaking sole. They oh, didn't I didn't even, even see that. Good, good yeah. catch. I didn't see that. And she's like, you know, we had a good run, your mother and I, and we made a lot of money, too. She was a natural businesswoman. And they're like, you work at the fishery? And she's like, no, honey, no, 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 no. That's never happened. Do I look like a fishmonger? That's never happened. And she's like, I just want to tell you, girls, if anything ever happened, you can come to me. I've seen it all, and I won't judge. Hint, hint, you got some money. Hmm. You might want to give that back to me. Oh, Enid. Enid, Enid. So... The girls show up. I said show up somewhere to talk to Doreen. It's the Easter Cove pancake breakfast. Okay. So the girls show up to the Easter Cove pancake breakfast house to talk to Doreen. They want to know what Enid meant about she and their mother making a lot of money. And now I guess we're going to get into a little bit of this seedy underbelly of of this place. She says, you girls need to understand that it was real bad around here, okay? A lot of men came through. Not all of them were nice. Referring to, it's a fishing village. You're going to have a lot of men on a boat. It's a small town, but it's a small, also a small port. So they had, yeah, lots of boats coming in. If there's anything I know, it's about men on a boat because I married one. <laughs> but it's neither here nor there. She says, all the ladies, including their mother, supported Ocean View to begin with. Uh, Priscilla's like, you mean starting a whorehouse? And Doreen says, no, 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 no. We called it managing the situation. It's totally different. And she's like, we knew that if it wasn't Enid's girls... It would be our own daughters. We wanted better for our kids. And I'm still like, I still don't understand that. And we'll, I can talk about that later too. Well, I just, were they like raping and pillaging? Like they, this was their way to like stop them from doing that or what? I don't understand. Well, like where are these girls coming from? They're somebody's daughters. In fact, that somebody says that at, at some point later on. And I don't remember who it was there. They may not have been like these ladies daughters, but they're someone's daughters. Right. They're just literally picking up off the street. Like Gorski tried to force Mary Beth to be one of these girls. Like, I, I don't understand how this is keeping anyone fucking safe, but okay whatever if that's the plot line we want to go with I'm, I'm here for it but um so gail walks in and she warns them to stay away from eden she's dangerous right so back at the Connolly's house the girls are talking they're like priscilla says we did everything for her we walked her around the house with that pillow which i don't know what that means made her soup took her to church and she left us with funeral bills hospitals a shitty business and a house we can't afford and mary Beth's like um I got something in the closet I gotta show you and brings out the money. And Priscilla's like, uh, this is a problem because someone is gonna miss this. Like, which is always, I mean, you find money, you're got, you're fucked. Right. And Mary Beth's like, yeah, but he's dead. That's the only person who'd be missing this. No. Do you think that that guy had, no. he had that much money? Like, he's just rolling in it. And nobody knew about it. Yeah. Right. Mm, no. So the cops, the two humble bumbles cops are looking at Gorski's car and they see the wreckage from Flat Stanley in the car. And they find the gun in the glove compartment. And they see the blood and the tarps are in the back. And Justin says, why are we giving Enid a free pass? She lied to us. She knew where he lived. And obviously something's up. And the other cops are like, <sighs> donut. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. the other cop's like, yeah, uh, I, can't, I mean, case closed to me. Like, I don't even understand why you think we need to look any further into any of yeah. this. God. We're good. We're good. We're good. Eat your freaking donut. Shut up. So Enid is in the kitchen making a, I guess it's a stiff hot toddy. I don't know. Yeah. She's pouring the, some booze into her, her tea or something. And Alexis walks in and Alexis says, you know, they're, they're saying bad things about you, those old ladies. And she's like, oh yeah, what kind of bad things? She says that maybe you hurt D. And Enid asks, well, do you believe them? And Alexis says, no. Enid says, oh, you know, I had no idea Gorski was such a monster, implying that uh, he killed D. And then she kind of plants the seed at that moment that maybe D wanted Enid to cut Alexis out of this whole deal and to make more money for herself. And Alexis is like, she's like, I'm not stupid. She's like, actually, Enid, I know that you owed her money. Enid, like, 
grabs her by the chin and like brings her closer to her and saying like how D was an ungrateful junkie who was skimming off the top and then just like totally gaslighting her and then she hugs her and then she's like I mean she's just really fucking with mm-hmm. her head right now and Enid wants to know why she's not at the desert right now and she says Declan kicked them out because he says Enon didn't pay this month. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. What's what's going? Like everybody's on? got a everybody's got a hand in this pot, and for this like whorehouse to be so you know wonderful, she sure is owing everybody money. I don't know. I don't know. But she's got yes. fur coats and too shit. many subplots. I don't know what's happening. There's too many, too many subplots. It's too much. Yeah. So then we flash to Enid is jumping in front of Declan's car and asking him if Doreen put him up to this, and he's like. Pay me what you owe me and your girls can go back to work. So stop buying chowder and getting your hair done. Learn to conserve. Get a side hustle. The American dream. <laughs> Bye. <sighs> okay. So Pris is at the store stocking when Enid comes in looking for whiskey. And she's like, I know your mom's got some hit around here. And she lo- starts looking through their coolers and finds an old bottle of whiskey. And she says, oh, yeah, aged perfectly. And then Mary Beth comes in with bags full of stuff that she splurged on because she has no chill. Mm-hmm. And Enid says, I was about your age when I inherited the um, B&B. When some fishermen started bringing girls for hourly services, I was furious. But uh, your mother had the idea to talk to the girl and see if we could find a way to capitalize. And we did. So drink up, ladies. Let's do wow, shots. great job. And she says to the girls, you know why I'm here. The sad truth is you thought you could hustle me, but because of your mother, I'm going to give you a second chance to do this right. Bring me back what you stole, and I'll return that fancy knife of yours. And if you don't, there are two things I can do. The nice one is turn you in. Bring it to me tonight. So I'm like, lady with a cane. They could yeah. they could just knock your ass out, but whatever. So Priscilla is pissed and storms off because now she knows that Mary Beth lied about dropping the knife off the bridge. And she's like, I want to call the cops or give Enid back the money. And Mary Beth is like, no, no, no. How about this third plan? We just leave. We take this money and get the fuck out of here. And Priscilla is like, Mary Beth, grow up. Which I don't know. I mean, really, though, Mary Beth grow up. And so she stomps off and leaves because, you know, she's she's a grown up. So enter the fisherman choir and officer Brennan is back at the docks. And this is there's like a lot of like kind of flashing back and forth to different people in the scene. Mary Beth is sitting by the shore. Priscilla eventually makes her way down to the shore, brings Mary Beth a jacket. And Mary Beth says, I'll go to the police tomorrow. I tell them everything. That's what mom would have wanted. What my my would have wanted. Later that night, Priscilla is frying up some fish and there's an off the door. More fucking fish. More fish. Yep. Well, they probably have a lot. You know, they run a fish shop. Uh, It's Justin. It's cute officer Justin. And for some reason, Priscilla asks him to join them for dinner. Well, he keeps keeps going, you eating haddock? Smells good. (laughs) Oh, I love haddock. Haven't had a warm meal in a long time. (laughs) She's like, uh, uh, you want to join us? I don't know. And he's like, sure. I'm like, (laughs) aw. Okay, so he basically invited himself Yes. And they're sitting down. He's making small talk about their mom. And he asks them how they're doing in that house all alone. And Priscilla's like, oh, yeah, totally fine. And he's like, well, that's weird because actually um, I'm asking because the station got a call from this residence like late that night of your mother's funeral. And Priscilla's like, oh, yeah, that was me. I pressed the wrong preset on my phone from 1994. And he's like, oh, yeah, how'd that happen? And she says, oh, well, we're trying to call the assisted living center to um, check on our uncle that got really drunk. But oops, accidentally called the police. Worst cover story mm-hmm. fucking ever. And he says, okay, uh, just to clarify, you two were here all night. And they're like, yep, yep, here all night. And after he leaves, Priscilla's like, I changed my mind. Like, we are not going to the cops. And Mary Beth says, well, what are we going to do now? And Priscilla says, give the bitch back her money. Yeah. Originally, when, because it comes back later, is that when originally uh, Justin borrows the skiff, he's telling Priscilla, I remember you from high school. And then on um, St. Jones Soup Kitchen on Volunteer Day, I saw your the signs you made about it. And I brought in two bags of Chef Boyardee. Do you remember that? And so when he's at the house, she's kind of freaking out and she's like trying to distract him. She's like, St. Jones Food Kitchen on Volunteer Day. I do remember you. Like, please, 
you remember? You think I'm cute? Please don't take like us away. Like being distracted by me. Please yeah. don't take us away. Um, we are back to Alexis, and she's sitting on her bed again, and she's listening to the full voicemail from Dee. And Dee is saying she cracked it. It was Enid's birthday, which is like the dumbest thing. What other password would you need? Mm-hmm. And she says, we're done taking her shit. So Enid is, I have just, Enid is sitting and waiting and then jumps in her car. I don't know where she was. Yeah, okay. Yeah. After she leaves, leaves the bed and breakfast, Alexis goes down to that teeny tiny little picture, which is covering a safe, because of course it is. Why else would you have that little bitty picture on that big old wall? Put a big picture, and damn she, it. Make it look good. Right. Or make, uh, do a gallery wall. No one would know which picture is behind. Uh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So she enters in Enid's birthday, and of course it opens right away, but it's empty except for one thing, which she picks up, and it's a fancy press-on fingernail. So she goes to the only people who she thinks can keep her safe or will help her. She goes to the triads. So she's back over to Susie's house and she shows him the nail and she says, she hurt my friend. Like, what are we going to do? I need your help. She she did this. Meanwhile, Enid is at the bar and I, and I think she's at the... She's at the crappy bar. The fancy yeah. bar. Yeah, I was like, she's. I don't think she's at the fancy bar. I think she's at the crappy bar. And the bartender's like, I think you've had enough. And she's like, another round. And uh, over in the corner, Officer Justin, Brennan, whatever you want to call him, and his friend, the one that interrupts... Paulie. Interrupted him. Paulie. 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 They're playing dats and drinking beer. And Justin obviously had or has a thing for priscilla but then they start talking about mary beth too and the other guy's like uh, yeah i mean she's hot but she likes dirt bags and justin's like what and he says yeah she was all over that ocean view guy the other night and i was like uh-oh and justin says oh yeah uh, what night was that and he's like saturday and he's like huh well shit because they just told him that they were both at the house all night Saturday, liar, liar, pants on fire. Yeah, because this is the guy she tried to steal the drink from when she came into the bar, and he told her she was a cheap ass and to get her own drink. So yep. it's a small town. Everybody's going to know you were at the fucking bar. I know. My, I, my cover story has been like, okay, my sister went out and got a drink, and then when she came back in the house, it startled me. So I called 911, and then I realized it was her coming back in the house, so I hung oh. up. That would have been my that cover story. That is a great story. cover story. Shit, Tiffany, that's Dude, perfect. Uh, if I ever commit through. a crime, I'm calling you. God damn. All right. Okay. So Enid has left the bar and she pulls up to the porch of the whorehouse. And the three old ladies are waiting for her. And Enid's obviously drunk as a skunk. And they're like, we all know you killed that girl. You need to turn yourself in. We want to help you. And Enid's like, cut the bullshit. You all turned on me. We all agreed to do this, meaning we all agreed to start this business, not, you know, murder people. Um, (laughs) Doreen says, okay, this is the part. She says, look, they may not be our girls, but they're someone's daughter. That poor thing, IED, didn't deserve to die. And Eden says, you all used her. You benefited from her and so many others. And I'm just like, oh, it just doesn't make sense as like a motivator. You know what I mean? They all say, yeah, well, now we're trying to do the right thing. It's over, Enid. And Enid says her little toodaloo and waves and calls them catty bitches. And Alexis, who has been watching out of the window, she's pissed because she's basically, I mean, she already had an inkling, but now she's basically has it confirmed that she killed D or had D killed, you know. Okay, Justin is sitting in his regular car outside the Connolly house just watching the girls because he's got an inkling that they're up to no good. But, I mean, what's he going to do? He's got nothing, really. The girls see him sitting out there and they're like, well, shit. So they say, let's take the back door and the boat to get out of the house. So they get out and they get on the water. Like, he's not going to hear that boat start up. Like, whatever. (laughs) So then... In the dead of Yeah, so then they end up... They take the boat to wherever the fuck they got to take the boat. And then they walk to Enid's um, wearing headlamps. I mean, conveniently that they had those. I, I was like, Kelly's got one of those. I do. So the door is open for some reason and no one greets them. I was like, where the fuck is Tanya? Because nobody's getting (laughs) BJs in this house unless she come around. And so they just walk up the stairs because that seems super smart. And they see Alexis and Tanya are packing up and they kind of just point to like, yeah, her room's over there to Enid's room. And Enid is in her bedroom and... Listen, they say, we here's your money. Um, we're here for give you your money back. We had to use some, but we can pay you back. And Enid says, oh, God, I missed your mother. I never said goodbye. I'm sure she hated me. 
Priscilla's like, she wasn't angry. I, I think she understood. And I'm like, you didn't even know what their story was. So how could she have understood? Nope. Whatever. And Edith's like, yeah, she was a good egg. Left the business because of you two. I don't hold that against you, though. And Mary Beth's like, well, we won't be bothering you from now on. We're going to we're gonna leave. And Enid says, well, tell that to Gorski. And falls asleep. I was like, you are the shittiest, like, mob bossy person to get your freaking <laughs> yes. money back. Like, you threaten these people, but you're going to fucking fall asleep. I was like, oh, leave, leave. And then Mary Beth was like, um, we'd like our knife back. That was the whole thing. We give you this money. You give us our knife back. Enid says, oh, yeah. She gets up and she's like, you know what? On second thought, I think you girls should keep some of this money. You need it. Buy a few nice things. And when the money's gone, you can come work for me on the business side. You know, you don't have to be whores. You, we can just work together. And Mary Beth's like, we don't want your money. And Edith, like, flipped. She's like, you brats had no idea how well you had it. You're spoiled rotten. You looked down on me and my life. You should be on your knees thanking me. And then she falls over and they go to help her up and... But she's like, Wah! she's just sitting on the floor like a big cranky baby. And Mary Beth's like, you know what? Fuck this. Grabs a knife and they leave. Alexis has watched all of this go down and cue the choir because <laughs> yep. this is where we're at. This is where I had, can you imagine this pitch meeting that, okay, now this is what happened. What happens next is that we're going to have a bunch of singing semen. You say what? what say what? what? What now? What are we going to have? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? what? <laughs> It's so stupid. <laughs> Multiple people agreed on I that. I know. This, somebody you signed know? off on this. Like, this is yeah. awesome. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. That in there. I like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. So Enid is laying in her bed. Alexis walks in with the tiniest little pillow ever. Okay. Yeah. Which she, she slams down on Enid's face. And at the same time, Gail arrives at Officer Coletti's house. And she wants to talk to him about Ocean View. And then also at the same time, Susie is walking along a pier when she hears slash sees something banging up against the side flashback to Enid. She's dead. Officer Brennan wakes up in his car, realizing that his stakeout has been an utter failure because he fell asleep. Priscilla and Mary Beth are sitting by their mom's grave, toasting her. Alexis and Tanya, Tanya, pass by the graveyard. They're they took, the they took Enid's car and the money. Took Enid's car, yeah. And the money. Because <laughs> they're the only smart ones. Like, I don't... Yeah. I don't I don't know yeah so um must be the next day and Justin we find out is Susie's grandson and he's he's sitting at her house they're eating I think I don't coffee cake or something he's like yeah Connolly girls grandma you know they're acting strange and she's like I think someone has a crush (laughs) he's like no no Uh, it's so weird because overnight out of the blue Coletti demands we do a 180 on this murder case and go after the ocean view well, Susie's like, well, he's got reliable sources. So then he leaves and he goes out to the cop and he says, we're still dredging the bay for Gorsi's body, right? They're standing out in the road and then the Connolly girls are walking down the road and Coletti points to Pris and says, there's your girl. Let's go do a drive-by. They're like three feet away. We're going to jump in the car and drive by her. <laughs> and Justin says, nah, I don't like her anymore. And I was like, oh, because you realize that oh, she's a murdering. She's mm. probably a murderer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Coletti's like, we busted Ocean View, so what's the point? Why do we care about Gorski is? I mean, sure, that's another point I bring up later. We have a murder victim, probably, and oh well, he was a dirtbag. Anyway, so the girls are walking, and they're talking about how they could keep the house. And Priscilla's like, no, we got to get you to college next fall. I'll stay around this shithole. You can come and visit me. It'll be fine. They pass Gail, who is now singing the Blow the Man Down, that song. She's dragging garbage bags. Yes. And then they pass Doreen, who is also singing the same song. And carrying a shovel. And then they pass by Susie, who is on the side of her house, hosing out the inside of a cooler. And she turns and looks at the girls and smiles because they found that cooler. They figured out what was going on. They showed up. They showed up. They showed up. That's what they do. Because their mother has always showed up for them, could be relied on. So they showed up for the doors. And that's how this stupid fucking movie ends. My next line in my notes is my problems with this movie. Number one, there is zero character development. Right. I don't care about any of these people. 
I'm like, am I supposed to want them to get caught? Do I not want them to get caught? Personally, I don't really care because I don't know anything about any of these people. Right. And you mentioned this at the beginning, so much great talent, severely underused. And I know this is a pretty short movie. And yes, I'm really thinking there were some scenes that fleshed out things on the cutting room floor, but it is all over the place. And no one really gets a chance to shine, I said, except for maybe the chorus. And then I've talked about how is this small, sleepy town okay with this house of ill repute that brings drugs and violence to this town? I mean, the point was supposed to be to control these things and it's like it seems to be having the opposite effect here am i wrong and there's nobody else that lives there like they had that pancake breakfast and the only people who were there were these three old ladies and they i don't yeah who else lives in this town and how did these three uh, old women become like the mobsters running this place <laughs> i don't understand there's and where are the men like Susie's weird husband looking for a fork he wasn't involved in this business dealing i don't understand right then this is just like a minor thing. How'd they get that cooler out of the water? You know that was heavy as shit. And then with the cop knowing that Mary Beth lied about being home and knows that she was all over the guy who's now missing, probably presumed murdered, and like nothing comes from this at all. Like Gail went to the house to do what? Like what did she tell him? Like we got to cover this up? What? Yeah. Or this is my theory of things that you need to follow. I'm very confused what happened there. Yeah, what did she tell him that sold him on the fact that they can just take down Ocean View and and everything else is just going to fall into place? We won't worry about where this guy is. We won't worry about who murdered D. I don't know. Maybe she came up with a story about Enid and Gorski and D and just wrapped it all up in a nice little bow that doesn't implicate anyone else. And and he's just some schmuck cop who was like, sure, yeah, sounds great. And, where are the donuts? Okay. Where's my pie? Why why did D steal the money? Where did the money come from? I assume it's from, like, screwing. And then it was supposed to go to Declan for her monthly payment right. to, to work the docks. But why was she searching for that money? I understand that she's a prostitute she could have left at any time like were they forcing her to stay there like what was the deal that she had to get out and why and why did Enid owe her money where is that from and then that little scene out the window that was her steal she stole the money and Gorski stopped her and shot her I don't I don't know that's when I think the murder happened I think that scene is is her trying to take the money and then he shoots her and Enid sees the whole thing doesn't Stop him, maybe even encouraged it. I think it. that I... Enid said, go get that girl. She took my money. Yeah. And yeah. then he went and shot her. He like he was probably driving away with her to go kill her somewhere. And she got out of the car mm-hmm. and he shot her there. Whatever. But mm-hmm. wouldn't you think yeah. Alexis and Tanya would have heard that nonsense out the window? It was right out the window. Right. I mean, everybody loves a window around here. I mean... Maybe they were down at the docks or were they busy banging? What's going on? <laughs> yeah. How do you have a whorehouse with only two whores? I... They're the busiest whores. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of questions, not a lot of answers, but there you have it, everyone. Sorry, that was my bad. And so, like, Pris is just going to stay in that town with a cop who knows she's up to no good Mm -hmm. and just run a fishmonger, be your fishmongery, whatever. I don't, fish, fish people don't come after me. I don't don't know know how you refer to it. (laughs) And then Mary Beth gets to go live her life and Priscilla's got to be under suspicion for the rest of her life because she said she likes it there. Right. When Mary Beth's the one that killed this guy? Sure. And what does blow the man down have to do with anything other than it's a sea shanty? I, I, that's all you get. It's a song relatable to the sea. Is it? It is. It is. I want, I need those guys to come and sing me what the fuck happened in this movie because I need to know. Maybe we should stick with TV series. We'll see. We don't know what's happening next time. We'll let you know. Uh, Tiffany, why don't you tell them where they could find us and give us some suggestions so I don't pick these shitty movies. Right? Okay. So if you want to make suggestions on what we watch next, I know we received some awesome suggestions of like some Apple TV series. Yes. We don't, we don't have access to Apple TV because we're on the Fire Stick plan. So that might not happen right away because we'll, we just, we don't yeah. have the technology. And we're brains. sorry. We, yeah. we really tried. I, I tried to find workarounds and I just, yeah, I just We just couldn't. don't have the way to do that. And we have a lot of um, streaming services that we have right now. And so <laughs> we made a stick with us. 
Yeah. So we will come up with something else. I don't know what's next. But anyway, if you want to make a suggestion from maybe Prime or Disney Plus or HBO or Netflix or Hulu, we are there for you. So you could do that by going to Instagram or Facebook at That's So Original Podcast. You can send us an email at That's So Original Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at That's So Pod. Tell us if you watch a shitty movie. Don't watch a shitty movie. Just listen to us talk about it. I don't care. That's right. That's what we're here for. That's what we're doing we will, for you. We will take that bullet for you because it was awful. Like us um, on iTunes. Review us on iTunes. Let us know what you think. Let us know if there's something that we should be doing differently or what you enjoy. Do you like our tangents? Do you like our? Do you like <laughs> me talking about my third grade crush on um, Ralph Macchio? It does not age well. He does not look great anymore. <laughs> He's got some weird toupee thing going on, Cobra Kai, and I don't like it. Yeah, what is going on with it's his hair? It's so uncomfortable. Let me interrupt here, and I'm trying to pull it up. So that's why I'm down on the floor wagging my chair back and forth. Because we actually do have a new iTunes review from our friend Kyla. Thank you, thank you, Kyla. Kyla is the best. Kyla lives in New York. And drove all the way to Michigan to see me in a play. Because she's awesome. Because she fucking rocks. Kyle is a poet. She says, roses are red. I like pot roasts. The content is amazing. And so are the hosts. Well done. Beautiful, wonderful review. Another thing is that we need to draw a winner for our giveaway and I was going to write all of the names down and put them in a hat and have my son pull one out for the prize and I just didn't do any of that (laughs) so I am going to do that and we will see who is going to get a custom signed very lucrative probably in the future very valuable meme and yeah mm-hmm. it's an it's gonna be like one of a kind you're never gonna be able to get this yeah. kind of thing ever again never nope nope all right well everyone thank you for listening thank you for going on this fishing journey <laughs> with us and we will never go on one again <laughs> i promise <laughs> but anyway we're out of here and we will talk in your area next time bye bye, bye.